We're going to start putting a lot of stuff behind the paywall. Probably starting with this. Uh, yeah, starting with this. Okay, I got a, a, a video from a, a strong, uh, one of my biggest supporters, uh, Stephen. Uh, I won't say anything else. I don't know how to can. I can't. I'm not authorized to give you his last name or anything else. But uh, it, uh, it's about the Montauk projects, and shockingly enough. Somebody finally got it right. Uh, he calls it Montauk Projects. The truth is darker than you can possibly imagine. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, and that's got 1.9 million views. Imagine this. This guy wasn't there. He's not an eyewitness. He's got 1.9 million views. And me? <laughs> I'm censored up the ass, right? Uh, well, that's because the truth is darker than you can possibly imagine. Uh, basically, this this guy, I don't know what his name is, and I, I don't need to tell you because you have the video. You go find out. He got almost everything right. He got almost everything right. He didn't go off on one of those mad, and at the end, he wrapped it up really nicely and uh, pulled out the usual suspects. As I've been trying to tell you guys, I was in Cameroon and uh, Bielik, Al Bielik. I didn't even talk to those guys. Yeah, and you know what? When, when I talked to Preston Nichols, they never came into the that's not what we talked about. Uh, that stuff was theatrics, man. Uh, and there was no Philadelphia experiment, okay? And, and Einstein, Einstein was uh, uh, Einstein was a dummy that plagiarized his wife's mathematical equations. He's Jewish. That's why he's famous. Uh, that's the only reason he's famous. Uh, he stole the crazy Loretzian and uh, and the. Uh, the, uh, that bridge they talk about that's named after him and the other scientist is really uh, was first formulated by Loretz. Uh, so uh, there's nothing, there's nothing, Einstein had nothing to do with the, uh, the Montauk projects. It was uh, all John von Neumann. Uh, just, uh, like I said, uh, I'm the guy who knew Preston Nichols personally. Nobody else on the internet talking about this did. Uh, maybe Peter Moon. I don't know how well Peter Moon did, knew him, but uh, I never talked about him. Maybe they collaborated uh, uh, when writing. Peter Moon is a pretty decent writer. He's a little all over the place, but he's, he's got some good fat. I, I have one of his books back here. He's blossom about the Black Sun. Uh, and, uh, it's very good. Very good. It has a lot of facts in it too. Uh, 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 Peter Moon knows a lot about the third, the third power. Yeah. Well, most of you don't. Well, this is going to my, my, my. Uh, most, most of these people have no idea. They have no idea where they are. It's kind of funny when you watch them and, and hear what they have to say and the stupid shit that comes out of their mouths. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a artificial timeline. And uh, they are artificial people. Uh, maybe they don't even, maybe they're just part of the program. I don't know. Maybe they're soulless. Uh, maybe they've always been soulless. It didn't take the vaccine to remove their souls. Uh, if you don't know about the Montauk projects, then there's really not much sense in us going any further in any conversation, especially with me. This is why I, uh, this is why I'm, I, I'm who I am. And uh, it's, uh, well, let, let's, let's do this, guys, uh, the darker than you can imagine video. 
Uh, first, I, I, I said, I, I laud almost everything this man said, except except the part, I, I take exception to the part where he starts talking about uh, how how difficult it would be to go, it's glacial moraine and you can't, uh, you can't, uh, you can't uh, dig underground, you can't go to D-U-M-B and glacial moraine. He doesn't even know what a D-U-M-B is, apparently. And he has no idea of the techniques used. He didn't work for Betchel. He should have kept that out of it. Uh, I've seen stuff. I, actually, there's a Star Trek episode uh, where there's a there's like a creature and it, it burrows through the uh, the earth and that's it, it melts melts the, it tunnels and as it, it's tunneling, it melts the earth and it creates a silicon wall tunnels and that that was part of what Victor Schauberger was working on uh, stream heat. That would uh, melt these tunnels of the walls. They found them. They've actually they, they do exist. They exist in Peru, uh, and uh, we we covered that in Black Sunrise in Part One. Uh, those the Indians know what those tunnels. I've even personally talked to uh, some people that uh, you know they found gold there, but uh, they couldn't keep it because somebody already owns it. And uh, these tunnels are crisscross South America. Probably Europe too. Uh, the Germans built tunnels too. Uh, I don't know exact the exact. Nobody knows because they, the the Americans blew blew the uh, entrances after going down into them, and everything. The records were sealed for a hundred years. Okay, so 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 don't you, you shouldn't don't start thinking you know about unless you work for Batchel, you don't know about the UMBs or underground construction. You do work for Dosh Group. Uh, and uh, plus, so people have done tomography scans over by Montauk, and they see there's an extensive underground network there. Now, having said that, uh, his, his hits on, on Bielik, on Cameroon, and even on Nichols are spot on. I told you, my wife called Preston Nichols a freaking pervert that night. <laughs> oh, boy. That guy, he was a freak. But uh, I told you, you can never trust anything he said. Uh, and uh, how I met him, well, how I, how I, I knew he was authentic, was uh, this man talks about it, and uh, his, his affiliation with the Brookhaven Lamb. Now, you know, he was around, uh, but uh, you know, I paid him much mind. Uh, but uh, well, I paid him a little mind because he, he said he was, uh, you know, a whole lot of things. My father was stationed there. And, uh, you know, so it was interesting to me. But, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't like, uh, I, I kept J.J. Hurtock, Al Bielik, uh, I never even met him, uh, but, uh, and the rest of Marty Myers crew, uh, Hoagland, uh, all of them, I, I kept them at arm's length. I, I told you, one time I told Deepak Chopra, the, uh, the Swami from the Frank Zappa song, through his face, too, he didn't say a word. Fucking phony. Yeah, we'll wrap a towel around his head. He sees he's the Clinton's guru, doesn't that figure? Anyway, uh, these are all red herrings. These guys, the Philadelphia experiment. I, I you know, it's, 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 it goes down to one guy. The guy was a storyteller. I forget his name. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it was uh, it was given a lot of uh, publicity uh, by certain people, and uh, but there is no racket. There is no record of anything like that ever happening or the ship or anything. 
there's no witnesses, nothing. There's nothing. There's only one guy that says it happened. And he was a storyteller, like I said. It's, you believe, you know, you watch it. They made a movie about it because it was a good story. And uh, and these people watch the movie. Uh, they, all of a sudden, they want to make themselves part of it. I would never want to make myself part of this. I'll tell you, I guess there's no other way to make it. It's, it's, I guess it's part of it's the way I, ex I exist because of it. So the rub is, uh, you know, uh, my wife used to go down to a, uh, there was a hotel. I think it was the Best Western. It was at the end of 112 and the ex uh, Expressway, Long Island Expressway, 495. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, they were doing something there where they were playing music. To, you could go to the housewives all, from around, all around the, uh, you know, it's La Bonvisa and a few other places uh, in, in the area around uh, Brookhaven Lab. They, they would go to this, this Best West and sit in the auditorium and they would play the music. And uh, they, all they had to do was press a button whether they liked it or not. It was played over headphones. And uh, I think at $50 at the end of like, it was a one hour session. And my my ex-wife was doing this. So one night she, uh, she moaned her friends and uh, I, I didn't have the kids that night. So I was bored and uh, she was like out late. So I took a ride down there to see what was going, going down. So I get there, and she was just getting ready to leave. And uh, I look up at the podium, the guy who was giving the session, who was in charge of the session. And who is it but Preston Nichols? Okay, so now I know he works for the Brookhaven Lab. Now I know that there's more to this story than, than, than somebody like making up a Philadelphia experiment story. Who was it that long after that? At uh, Brookhaven Lab, uh, nearly burned. And uh, the, the biggest, I think it was 1996, it was the biggest fire ever in Long uh, Island history. Probably have the barn barons burned down. Uh, and uh, there was a call. Oh, by the way, with the Brookhaven Lab, you know, it's a matter of public record uh, that the Brookhaven Lab has, has two underground particle accelerators. So, so much of first theory about you can't build underground on the island. Uh, Brookhaven Lab is not far from Montauk either. It's on the same, uh, some kind of a, a, a ge geographical strata, you would say. Uh, it's at that hill that extends along the, the uh, mid-island and up into Montauk. Uh, the lighthouse in the base, they sit on a, a, about a 100-foot cliff, 150-foot maybe. It's not really a cliff, but it, it, it's elevated. It's elevated. In any case, in Brookhaven Lab, was being threatened by this fire. Every fireman from New York City, from 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 Suffolk, from Nassau had already responded. There was uh, it was all over the news. You could see the smoke all over the place, uh, all around. Uh, and they were asking for able-bodied men to go out there and, and help uh, put this this fire out. And, uh, and there was there was, there was a, a veteran, uh, and uh, this guy Joe. He had, he said a hole in his head. He gets shot in it, supposedly in, a, in an exercise. He gets shot in the head. So he had a full pension. He didn't have to do anything either. Uh, so uh, me and him, we went out there. And uh, it's sporadic memories there. And I didn't remember parking the car or anything like that. And uh, we were out in the field. And uh, there was sort of smoke all over the field. 
And uh, through the smoke, I see this Chinese guy, man. He's, he's like, he looks like he's 100 years old. He's wearing like a long silk kimono, I guess, that the Chinese wore in ancient times. And uh, I was like, what the hell is this? And there's this giant blue helicopter circling around. You can see it through, through because I guess, I guess it's uh, the, uh, the blaze, the rotor blaze were clearing the smoke. It's about 400 feet over us. Yeah, it look you know you look you know how the police helicopters are blue and white, uh, blue and white, but this, this was way bigger. It looked like some kind of luxury model, and it was just hovering over me and, and Joe. And uh, this guy pulls up. He's in a white Bronco, in a Bronco, and he's a, he's a real hard-looking character, like a mercenary or something. Uh, I don't know. So he looks like some kind of soldier, and he, he says to me, like he knows me, starts talking to me. And he says, with disgusted like, he says, uh, that's Pataki up there. And he drives off. Uh, and we see this, this Chinese guy. It's like, he's still walking through the smoke. He's about 100 feet away. And we're looking at him. And uh, the smoke lifted. And I could see across the whole field. It was about a couple hundred yards. And I see at the other end of the field, there's like a, a four or five more of these, these Chinese people in these kimonos. And uh, they walk, he's walking towards them and they're walking towards him. And he looks at me and he looks at me with like, uh, I don't know, it's the strangest look anybody ever gave me. Like I betrayed him or something. Uh, and uh, I was like, we made our way back to the car. I, even know, I, I couldn't remember where he parked. He, he knew, but uh, we made our way back to the car. I don't know, later, drove back. And that was bothering me, like, I said, how the hell did those Chinese people in the kimonos get out there in the Pine Barrens? I could say maybe there was some kind of Chinese restaurant was burning. I, there was no Chinese restaurant in the Pine Barrens, especially not one where people were in kimonos. You know, uh, there might be some delicatessens, I don't know. But that's about it. Long I was famous for delicatessens, you know. It looked like a doghouse. And get a stale roast beef sandwich in them. Well, those are all around, but uh, you know, a Chinese restaurant, and uh, it was like really strange. So, so I go uh, to Toll House. You know, I'm trying to get away from these people. They're all kinds of strange. I, 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 I will include the links to Peter Pan. Peter Pan meets Pyramid Head Part Two. Peter Pan meets Pyramid Head Part Three. Uh, and two and three, I, I, I give you. Particulars uh, about what was going on in, in the place I was staying in. Uh, well, I don't want to get away from these people, and uh, so I, I, uh, I went to uh, this total house where they they did all the lectures, and uh, well, Preston Nichols walks in and starts. Uh, oh, there was somebody else was giving a lecture, but uh, you know when he it was like uh, Paul McCartney comes to the freaking local pub when he walked in. Everybody just drops everything, and he's got some kind of freaking theatrical cast on, and he's claiming they tried to kill him. Uh, uh, they pointed some kind of particle beam weapon at his car, and he crashed, and, and he's all the way, he's looking at me, and I, I know he's telling a yarn. You know, I could tell him he's telling a yarn. And uh, afterwards, uh, you know, I was asking him about this stuff, and he was like, uh, well, you know, uh, the... The uh, Bushes have declared war against the whole world. 
and uh, that was an act of war. It was uh, really feasible to me. And then we started talking after that. And he says, oh, I, I always knew you were part of the, uh, part of the project. And uh, I'm like, well, okay. Uh, and I said, you know, we, we, we'd go up. Uh, we, they have all these office buildings and stuff, like uh, these lecture halls in Tullhouse, like a three-floor building. And, you know, I have those little offices and stuff. So we'd go up there and hang out. Just sit around and bullshit about all this stuff, uh, you know, about the strange uh, the UFOs, uh, the, the UFO sightings off of Cory Beach. Uh, it's, a, it's a beach off a patch, all, all the strange shit that was going on there. And, uh, you know, I ended up telling my story, uh, which I also include that with this too. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's actually part four of my book. Uh, everything he talked about, like this. this Junior, the monster, and stuff. Uh, I seen stuff like that in, in East, but it was in East Islip, and that, that's where he's from. He's from East Islip. Uh, he 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 uses Montauk, but uh, a lot of what he's talking about actually took place in East Islip. And I'm an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. Like I said, I'll I'll include it. I'll include it in part four. And, and he admitted that to me. That uh, well, uh, they, there was uh, Grumman and Fairchild's had a joint building, uh, and it's, uh, it was right on the border of Hector State Park. It's now a shopping little shopping mini mall or something, but at the time, uh, uh, in the eighties, it was a top secret and uh, it was gated, and you couldn't get in there. And uh, apparently, that's that's where this was emanating from. Uh, it was right by the Great River train station. When I asked him about the Brookhaven thing, he was like, I don't remember that. And he says, but that's that's how he became involved with this whole book thing. Is, uh, people were constantly telling him he was here and there, usually at the behest of the Brookhaven lab, and uh, he didn't remember any of it, or so he said. Uh, and he told me it's impossible to remember what you've done in another timeline. It's just uh, it's a physical thing. Uh, and uh, so... One day we're up there. It was me, my ex-wife, and him, and we we're talking about all the paranormal events on Long Island. And I said, "Well, uh, this seems to be ground zero. Uh, uh, somebody seems to have uh, opened the portal uh, and uh, released the dragon. Dragon being uh, a symbol of magic." But uh, he said uh, he's, he agreed, and he, he says uh, the only way to close the portal was he had a machine, an organ machine, and he says uh, that, he didn't say he had to touch us either. But this guy says he, he told us don't be glad to touch them. But he said the only way he could close the portal was to hook, you know, that, that uh, my wife and I would have sex and then he would he'd have to be there to operate the machine. You know, which it was perfectly fine with me. I've, I've been to the vault. I've been to... Uh, I've been to some sex clubs, uh, and my ex-wife, she was as kinky as they get. Uh, I mean, you know. So, uh, you know, I would have tried it. I, I would have tried it. I'm not going to lie to you. I would have tried it at the time. I don't know. I would do shit like that. And again, now, 64. Then I was like, what was I, like 35, 34? I was, uh, I was very oversexed, and uh, I participated in a lot of that stuff. So uh, that's why you don't hear me say uh, it's this Christian crap about, oh, maybe this is sexy. 
you know, uh, all your energy is created through sex. Uh, and uh, if you're afraid to have sex, or if you don't enjoy sex, then you most likely have no hold on energy. And, uh, you, you know, you're a eunuch, you're castrant, you're nothing. That's why it's a great religion, the Christianity. They neutered everybody. Uh, he, the hatred of sex. Judaism is the same thing. Islam, all of them, all of them. They act like, like frigid little girls. But in any case, it would have been fine with me, but my ex-wife, suddenly she starts developing a conscience. And she jumps up and she screams at him, you fat fucking pervert! And then she runs out of the room with three floors down the stairs and onto 24 Hempstead Turnpike, the busiest frickin' uh, road on Long Island. And she runs out in the middle of the road with me hot behind her. I finally scooped her up in the middle of the road and carried her back. Uh, and she would never talk to him again. And uh, I, I couldn't understand her reaction. It was not. This was a girl who would go in the bathroom in the bar and pee in a cup and sell it to somebody for $100 and watch them drink it in front of her, constantly trying to drag people into the bedroom with us. Uh, so, no, I don't, uh, I don't think she was offended. Then again, uh, as uh, that movie Greg produced, uh, I believe I was married to one of them. Yeah, I know it was. We laugh about it now. Our family is CIA. And uh, that was something they didn't want to happen. Closing that portal, that is. In retrospect, yeah, it explained the whole Montauk Project thing. You see, the Montauk Project, oh, excuse me, my cat's coming now. He's trying to get on the uh, computer. He's happy to see me. I've been gone three, two, two weeks, over two weeks, and he was very attached to me. His name is Alistair. Alistair Crowley. I have a cat named Alistair. Anyway, now, the point being that jerk-off accountant who is posing and saying he's a Montauk super soldier, like I said, in retrospect, it made for, uh, so much with my friends and the crowd I was with. Uh, he, that's what they were. Uh, that, that's why each one of these guys is a, a mad dog killer and an expert at hand-to-hand -hand combat. And then I see one guy stab his own dog to death because he didn't like it no more after he treated it like, it was like we didn't have any conscience, man. It was like we were capable of anything. And this was particular, uh, it was something that was peculiar to this crowd that I was with. Uh, and uh, you knew, you knew what everybody had like bulging muscles, not like I, I, extremely athletically built. Uh, and, uh, some, you would know that you were looking at a trained fighting machine, uh, and that's what they all were, including myself. Uh, I don't know where I picked up martial arts, but by the time I was 27, 28, I was better at it than I thought I could throw kicks faster than Bruce Lee. You know, I, 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 I used to put a strap on a, these, these uh, Doc Martin combat boots with steel tips. And I did demonstrations at the at the uh, at the gaslight the bar. It was the Pagan's Clubhouse, and I was in charge of security there. And I'd go outside with these boots, and I'd fucking kick four inch chunks of concrete out, I, I, like a sledgehammer hitting that wall with these boots. I, I, I the wall's probably still eating up from when I used to kick it with these. Boots. Everybody'd be looking, like, holy shit! 
I can wing these kicks there. I can wing kicks over your head, crescents and stuff. I, I, nobody ever trained me, and I, I, but I just simply knew it. I, I, you know, somebody threw a punch, I knew how to throw them down from, you know, it was just like just certain reactions and I don't know where it came from. Uh, anyway, that, that all pretty much, uh, it, it, it explained, it explained all those things about myself and my friends. Okay, including that guy, John, I told you about. <laughs> uh, I started with the DeFeos. Uh, they covered it, and then the police covered it up for him. And I, I, I seen uh, when uh, Mark Keppel was murdered that night. Uh, well, I was supposed to meet him in the parking lot. He got a crazy clown. We were out there. He was police all over the place. Anyway, we went to the funeral. We were told by the mob, oh, nobody's going to a funeral. I'm like, fuck you. So me, uh, John, and my ex-wife, to the funeral. And all the stuff, it comes, the homicide cops are there. You know, these cops, legendary tough guy cops and stuff. And when John walked into that funeral, uh, they were groveling on the ground. Uh, and uh, the wife was begging him, please, John, please help us. You know, who killed him? And John didn't say nothing. But uh, it's a deference that was shown to him by these cops, these homicide cops. You could tell, he, you know, he, he was above them. He was above them in the pecking, pecking order. So, you know, where, where does all that come from? I told you about the, the other guy, Ford, and the Long UFO Foundation, where, where the three or four of them tried to uh, poison the uh, county legislator and a couple of the other uh, members of the Brookhaven uh, crime uh, party, the Republican Party, there, famous for their corruption uh, uh, with radium, and I ended up, I ended up in jail with this guy Ford. And we found out he knew Preston Nichols. He locked himself in his cell for the two days I was there. And, and all strange reactions, strange things, uh, and uh, I, I, I let me let me give you a few like the insights I've given you in my writing. Is that that that's the real Montauk project? There was no oh oh it's, it's traumatized children and stuff like that. Is all a crock of fucking shit that people make up to that to sell videos like uh, I'm not going to say about it like this because this man does a splendid job and wraps it all up. Uh, no, he's he's a, he's he's a cut above the rest. And I'm surprised he got too many video uh, views with. Uh, you know, he, he lets them have it. He lets them have it, all the fakes and phonies out there at the end of the video. And more power to him. But, uh, no, no, there's no freaking children involved. What the thing was, the chair could only be sat in by somebody with Nordic, total Nordic blood, okay? They had to have, like, be genetically pure. Now, Evidence of this, I seen with my own eyes when I was about 18 years old. We, uh, yeah, we had, we had my friend Kenny, he was selling all his fireworks and stuff, and he had a whole bunch left over at the uh, 4th of July. And John, John had a couple of pounds of hash he just bought. And so we decided to take, uh, like the boys' night out uh, and, and go to Hot Dog Beach for the 4th of July, which was a major party on Long Island at the time. I think it still is. And so uh, you know, we set out on July 3rd night. And we're on our way to the beach. And, and John starts acting really strange. He's like, huh, you know, 
You guys, you guys are going to get me busted with your fireworks. What are you, little kids? Yeah, you shoot off fireworks? He says, I got two pounds of hash on me. I don't want, uh, uh, we can't, we can't go, I'm not going to Hot Dog Beach and shooting off fireworks. You guys, I, and he's like, well, we're like, okay, John, where do you want to go to shoot the fireworks? And he says, oh, we'll go to old Montauk, the old Montauk base, which is about 40 miles out of our way, 30 miles out of our way. And I, I'd been down there before because, I, I, as I've said in numerous times before, my father was a charter boat captain, uh, and I spent many, my summers in Montauk uh, drinking beer with the guy who was uh, they modeled Captain Quint after, Frank Mundus, my father's best friend. This is the guy who took over the cricket, too. You know, Russ Grandinetti became the captain after, after Frank uh, retired to, to Hawaii. But, uh, you know, they were all close crowds, and, you know, I used to... It's 14 years old, I'd crack a few beers with this guy, drink a whole fucking case. Then, then he'd run his boat out into the rips when there was gale force warnings. No other boat would leave. And he'd take a charter out into the rips with 25-foot waves, man. And I'd go watch him through the point. Bow, plowing into these fucking waves. And then he'd come back. He'd have like 20, 30 stripers, you know? And this whole party, the whole party would be sick. They'd be green in the face. It was hilarious. Anyway, you know, you knew a lot about Montauk. Been there and done that, you know. Uh, so, so with us is uh, it was me, John, uh, Kenny. Kenny's uh, uh well, got an Italian last name, but you know his whole family's blonde. Uh, his mother's platinum blonde. Uh, he has blue eyes, green eyes, really, light green. Uh, as Tommy, Tommy. Uh, I don't want to use last names. Tommy is the uh, high school, was the high school hot dog, obviously, platinum blonde hair, uh, you know, big guy. Uh, his father was Lithuanian, and his mother Italian. Uh, you know, he looked as nordic as you can get. Uh, you know, when you're Italian, you don't know what you are. Because there's no such thing as an Italian, really. Uh, but in any case, uh, I don't, uh, the other person was Egil. Egil was from Norway. Egil was pure Nordic. Now, we get to the Montauk race, base. And uh, because I've been walking through the woods, maybe a half a minute, maybe? And John starts crouching and, and doing all this wild shit with his hands, gesturing and shit. Look at him. what the hell is this fucking idiot doing now? And all of a sudden, there's a light on behind me, a shining, bright, shining light on, on, on my back. And uh, I turn around. I'm with Eric. Eric is Eric is Italian, and I'm Italian. Uh, one quarter Italian. And uh, turn around, and this fucking guy pointing a fucking gun at me with the light, and. He said, it turns out he was a cop. And uh, he says, all right, tell your friend to come out. And I says, uh, because Eric was hiding behind a bush. And he says, uh, Eric, you better come out. He's pointing a fucking gun at us. This guy's crazy. Uh, which I never, you know, I was 18. Nobody ever pointed a gun at me before. Uh, and uh, so he came out. And uh, I, I, you know, I was like, what is this guy pointing a gun at me for? Uh, you know, this is walking in the woods at night, big deal. Uh, and uh, he says, oh, well, yeah, trespassing. I, it's, uh, you know, it's, 
I said, do you always shoot trespasses in Montauk? Uh, he says, uh, well, uh, uh, some stupid shit. Uh, I don't know who you are. And uh, he puts the gun away, and it's like, uh, he's saying, uh, I, I says to him, uh, how did you know we were here? He says, well, I got a call. He says, you got a call? We've only been here like half a minute. He answered me. So he says, uh, you boys got to get out of this town. So I says, uh, okay. Uh, and uh, we uh, we were in Eric's car. We had driven out there in Eric's station wagon, the six of us. There's five of us, six of us. Yeah. And uh, so he walks us back to Eric's car. And uh, we, he escorted us all the way to fucking Southampton. He was right behind us. We had two pounds of hash in the back of the fucking car. They had the fireworks, but who cares about fireworks? At the time, two pounds of hash would put you in jail for a while, man. That was a sweaty ride. Uh, he broke off at Southampton. So we go all the way back to Amityville. And uh, we're expecting these guys to call us all night. We're smoking, smoking up John's hash. You know, and, uh, and nobody calls. So, about 12 or 11 o'clock the next day, uh, around noon, uh, Eric calls John's mother. He says, well, you know, he tells her what happened. And she's like, Adam, and, oh, come on, Eric. Uh, you got to go back and get them. Uh, I'll give you my car. Uh, just take my car and go back and look for them. So that's what we did. And uh, we, we, uh, we get, like, past, uh, past the Hamptons. We're on the, this road uh, that extends down to, to uh, this is 27A, uh, Montauk Highway, they call it. And uh, it's, it's nothing but barren. Uh, there's Amagans after the Hamptons, uh, and that's it until you get to Montauk. And uh, I don't know if it was before Amagans or after. I don't know that good. I think it was after, but uh, after a few coming from Montauk. We hadn't gotten Amagans yet, and... Uh, Lo and behold, this, 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 the, the Fordham walking down the road, bedraggled, uh, looked like they'd been through the fucking war, uh, and uh, we picked them up. And so it's honestly like all these stuff. Like, why didn't you call? There was no phones. They're telling us There's phones all over Montauk Village, man. There's be phones all over the place. You know, like I said, I'm half, I'm half native Montauk. You know, and the base is only like a mile at the most from the town. And meanwhile, they were like, they'd walk 15 miles. But they said somebody gave them a ride. So I said, who gave you a ride and dropped you off in the middle of nowhere? And they really had no answer. Uh, so we're, we're, going, we're driving down Montauk Highway. We're going back west now towards, towards Amityville, New York City. And these four girls, four or five girls, pull up next to us in a convertible. We're doing about 70, and they were doing 70. And they start screaming like wild cowboys at us. And they were all, they were all attractive. They were all hard-looking, maybe a year or two older than us. And uh, we're like, yeah, pull over, pull over. And I start talking to them. The leader of the pack, she was, her name, she says, my name is Marion. 
They want us to go back to their uh, their place in the Hamptons. They had a place in the somewhere. It was a, not not the nice part of the Hamptons. It was like a, you know the old settlement. Uh, the Hamptons used to be like clam diggers and shit. You know, and it was a you know it was a shanty shack, I guess. Uh, and uh, you know, I had a couple of bedrooms, two or three bedrooms, and uh, one door was locked and closed, and uh, they were, and. They said, no, whatever you do, you can't, don't, don't, don't disturb my grandmother. She's sleeping in that room. So me and Eric, we sat on the sofa. Uh, we're smoking hash. And they all had sex. You know, they went into these two adjoining rooms. And uh, they, these girls had sex with them. Uh, <laughs> now, man, it wasn't that unusual. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was not. I was not a lady killer yet. I don't count for 10 years, I guess. Uh, 10 years, yeah. So, uh, and Eric, he never had sex. And, uh, but Eagle, Eagle never had sex in his life. I think it was the first time he ever got laid. And all he had talked about until the time he went back to Norway after that was Maid Marion. And she blew his mind in bed. And I, I seen the room, they were having sex, and it was, uh, there was a mirror. There was a mirror uh, on the wall, big mirror. And it was adjacent to the room Grandma was sleeping in. Oh. I didn't know about the Montauk Project then, but I, I said, "Well, you know, what the fuck are they filming this or something?" Uh, you know, I, was, I still my mind was working like this is something weird, you know. Uh, so my uh, my interpretation in retrospect would be that they wanted to get this guy going into that chair, maybe Tommy too. Maybe Tommy too, you know, uh, and uh, that that that's what went on. And John arranged. And the story is, as it goes, that by synchronizing proper frequencies uh, with the proper DNA, Nordic DNA, from the chair, realities, alternate realities, can be projected through through the man sitting in the chair. Uh, like you said, I've seen all kinds of this. If you don't think this is an alternate reality, dude, I don't know what to do with you anymore. I, that's why I should close this thing. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll open it. I'll open it. I, I, I've been talking really nice because, you know, I, I thought I was going to keep it closed. Uh, and it was just going to be my paid subscribers. But I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave this open. So Steve, Steve went to the trouble of finding this, this video. I'm gonna make it public. I'll make it public. Uh, I mean, if you've been to Montauk and you talk to the locals, uh, they all got stories, man. And I'll tell you another thing about that dish. That dish used to move, even after the base was abandoned. Uh, maybe the wind was spinning it around. I don't know, but everybody knew the dish would move. Uh, so, whatever reality they are projecting, we're living in it. Uh, I could go, you know, I got a whole bunch of stories uh, about, uh, you know, the, the late to this Montauk Project thing. Uh, you know, apparently, apparently, I, I, I didn't mention yet. Yeah, yeah, my father, he was uh, 101st Airborne. He was like the best shot in the Army. You know, I remember when I was a kid, he zero everybody's rifles in whenever they got into scope and shit. If you couldn't put it in the black at 300 yards, the rifle was off. You know, uh, and uh, 
they kept him. Uh, he was supposed to go to Korea, uh, train special, to, you know, fight 101st. But they kept him at Montauk uh, in Camp Hero, and he operated that radar dish. He's one of the people operating it during the Korean War. So my 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 roots to this Montauk deal, <laughs> they go, uh, uh, they go all the way back, all the way back to another generation. And uh, I heard there was strange stuff about my grandfather, my father's father too. Yeah, they said he couldn't wear a watch because the watch would stop him. Uh, certain occult things happened around him, you know, like the hag thing with the strangling uh, in the bed and stuff like that. This is just stories you pick up from your family. But, you know, there was like a, a gung-ho, like you think the Marines are bad, you should have met my father. Uh, gung-ho, like a uh, soldier. It was my father, and it was my uncle, was my father's best friend. Uh, that is, that would be Mike Williams' father. Uh, he was Scottish, and he was a Marine. And they were thick as thieves. I remember when Chappaquiddick happened, uh, <laughs> because uh, that was when uh, Ted Kennedy more or less got framed up with the body in the car, went off a bridge. Now, for some reason, it was a big event, my family, and my uncle Mike, Michael's father, drove all the way from New York City to Tuckertown uh, in New Jersey, our summer home. And him and my father left, and they hung out a little bit. They were, like, ecstatic that, 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 uh, about Chappaquiddick. This is, like, some kind of family victory or something. And they both hated Kennedy. You know, you ever see Edward Asner and, and uh, all the Stones piece? JFK, that, that was my father and my uncle talking about Kennedy. They hated him. They hated him. Uh, all the Kennedys, they hated him. Uh, but, you know, uh, this goes way back. I've got so much, like, missing time and stuff like that in my life. And like I said, there's just things about me that I don't know where they came from. They're there. And then you get to meet the gin. I was 50-something years old. The 55 Club, the whole deal. You think the world is run by Joe Biddens and, and, and Putins. And, no, that's not the way the world is run. The world is run by the people behind the scenes and the entities behind the scenes. And uh, in spite of what they can do with that, maybe do with that chair, I think anything they can do, I can do better. Like I said, I got a million more stories I'll tell them to you, but I told you I'll include what I've written about it so far. They changed the, they changed the name from Stranger Things uh, uh, to Stranger Things from the Project Montauk uh, because of me. I would have sued them. I would have sued the shit out of them. Nobody even knows where that thing came from. 2014, they just banged it out. They were talking about ultimate rallies. They were plagiarizing me. And Remick came up with the pilots. Uh, the five pilot series is about the little girl who had the... Uh, the, the, she has the, uh, the, the tulpa, that's a monster, and people die all around her. And Remick, she got the five uh, pilot episodes for me, and me and I have to watch them together. And she, not together, she was in Texas, I was on around. And we discussed them. Uh, I thought it was 
shot at me at the time. Uh, in retrospect, no, it was about her. But uh, uh, who, who's, who's the creators? But the Duff Brothers. Yeah, yeah, the Duff Brothers. Go look it up. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing more of these. I, I'm going to put this one, like I said, in deference to my man Steve, I'm going to put this one up for the public, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter what they say about Monto because they won't let what I say get out. But uh, they'll they'll allow you know somebody like this guy to get two million hits on it. Uh, but I have to admit he does a good job in shooting down, down all the fallacies about the monster. I I am I, 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 hesitant to even talk about it because of all the nonsense about it uh, that they've talked about. Let let us just suffice to say that uh, yeah, there there are these super soldiers, these assassins, they exist. Uh, they can hold the time, they can walk through time, they can do some real work. I've seen some, so, you know, there were times with John where just people just turned up dead and nobody knew how it happened. Uh, I remember the two pagans, uh, you know, shot in the back of the head in the car outside the, uh, Stonehenge. And uh, it looked like they were shot by their own friends or somebody sitting in the car and they didn't see him. And that's the way... Uh, Half a dozen, two dozen, maybe a dozen mafia guys went out that way. Yeah, yeah, that John didn't like. Offended John. He, he made fun of Italians a lot. That was the only thing. <laughs> he did a God, his Godfather invitation was pretty good, you know. But in any case, I'm, I'm going to sign off on this one. I, I, I'll include all, I try to get everything I wrote. Not everything, but uh, not the miscellaneous stuff that I wrote. Three parts of Peter Pan meets Pyramid Head. Second and third, the whole story is told. I tell it again in the opening of my book. Those who would arouse Leviathan, you see, because that's what it was all about. You know, those who would—that's why the book was so hard censored. They were telling people it wasn't available, and they turned it into pornography. And then, yeah, nobody wants to touch this book. I still sell five hundred copies, but you know, I should have sold five million copies. And people maybe might get the, the right ideas about how, how the world really works. Elemental Projects, according to Preston, was uh, almost to bring about the uh, the union between the he and the she, which uh, later on Serrano wrote about. It wasn't later on, but uh, I should, none of us certainly knew about him. I didn't know about him until uh, I was introduced to it by an athlete uh, in 2016-2017. Loki, same thing, same thing. 2016, 2017. I don't think Serrano existed on this timeline until then. Uh, but that was uh, the uh, timeline was created for that. The Babylon working. The consummation uh, of the, uh, the Amalantra working. And uh, the ultimate, the ultimate consummation of the magical act that would propel us into the next aeon. Uh, and this it, is a German thing. German thing too. Yeah, so I, I can recommend Peter Moon's book, actually. It'll explain a lot in there. Not explain because she's not good at explaining, but he, he gives you a lot of the facts uh, that, that led to this. Uh, we'll fill in the blanks, of course. Uh, me and Oliver will do that when I get to Europe. Uh, you know, we'll be going to certain places that need to be going to. But uh, this will be my word on that for now. And Stephen, I thank you very much for this uh, uh, video. I, I, I recommend this guy, you know.
Like I said, he's got the, well, he's got the underground. He doesn't know anything about the UMBs, but uh, it's just, just a man's got to know his limitations. Uh, it's this information on, on the, the fake super soldiers and uh, Preston being a pervert and a liar and working for the Brookhaven lab and uh, Bielik, the two fakes. Anyway, and the whole Philadelphia experiment is a psyop. Uh, this is what this is has to do with organ energy, Wilhelm Reich, and the mathematical equations of John von Neumann, creating Fourier transforms, uh, creating time domain, uh, creating frequency domains out of time domains, and altering a time domain through the frequency domain. Nothing to do with little boys getting raped. You know, I, I wouldn't put that past Preston, I'll tell you that. I mean, he's a freak. Uh, but no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with traumatized children and all the nonsense that's going on about, going around about, which is why I took exception to Kerry Cassidy and her huge, uh, uh, she's got to be Jewish with that mouth, right? Uh, with that huge mouth. Yeah, when they first got on the scenes. And they warned her. All right. Bye.